0: Blessed be the name of the Lord, Father, we glorify you, we praise you, we thank you for everyone that's listening tonight and everyone that's in here, we thank you, Lord, that we're really, really living in the days of revival and the power of your spirit, Lord, help us to come into the realization of that like never before, we love you, Father, we thank you, Jesus, for being in our midst, truly being in our midst, guide us during this time now, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to share with you tonight, and uh, again, titled this is titled, The Insurgencies Meant to Stop Revival. I'll explain that word. I'm not trying to give you a big word, but it does mean something to what we're trying to look at scripturally tonight. The insurgencies meant to stop revival. I think it's vitally important that we understand this and understand uh, what the church goes through, and what is meant at times to be—I'll say this word because it's synonymous with insurgency—the uprisings of Satan, the the pushes in the spirit. Uh, the word insurgency. Really, probably the best way to to um, to term it explicitly what I'm trying to get across tonight or what the Holy Spirit's trying to get across tonight is give you some synonymous terms. Insurgence, insurrection, mutiny, outbreak, rebellion, revolt, revolution, rising, or uprising. Rising means when something is like different than norm. There's an uprising uh, in a positive sense towards good versus e- evil when uh, the famous D-Day took place in the 40s and, uh, you know, the allied forces invaded Normandy and, and uh, into France. Uh, that was a resurgence of against the evil. But tonight we want to talk about how that evil tries to conquer the church um, in times of doing the church doing their best, those that are on the front line. There's still much of the church that's not on the front line. There's there's part of this church that's not on the front line. There's people that go here that love the message that are still not on the front line. But there is a, a group of you, and uh, I believe... That group is seated here with me tonight, and many of the people that are, are not able to make it tonight are part of that frontline group. And I think it's vitally important that we discuss things in the spirit that will be part of our future and helping us to stand against the days in which the enemy tried to, uh, will try to, in different ways, uh, take us out. Revival began uh on the day of pentecost in jerusalem now turn with me to acts chapter 3 just some scripture you know i've said before and i won't recant on this that really that wasn't revival that was just the birth of the kingdom and that is true in the sense of the word that for 2,000 years nobody had ever seen anything like that and it was the birth it really was the birth of the fullness of the kingdom of god jesus came preaching the kingdom and he was the walking kingdom but What happened on the day of pentecost when everyone was filled with the spirit and that's the birth of the church and then the kingdom comes into Full operation but revival actually the reviving of mankind Was the kingdom of god. It actually was the manifestation of the kingdom of god. God brings back a sense of reviving into humanity and Peter bears that out in chapter 3 because he identifies it. He says in chapter 3 verse 18 but these things are those things which God before hath showed by the mouth of his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when times of, and the word is revival, when times of revival shall come from the presence of the Lord. So he's identifying with what has just presently, tents taking place and you know the chapter two's the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and then we see the miracle of you know the, the blind man taking place and you have two great moments where massive crowds are born again. And right in the midst of that Peter gives this verse 19 again Repent ye therefore, be converted, that your sins be blotted out when times of refreshing or the, the Greek actually uses the word revival shall come from the presence of the Lord. Now, again, I'm using notes tonight. Specifically, I'll talk as the Lord shares and elaborate at times, but it's important for us to, at times to just stay on target and get in as much as we possibly can. We are in the infancy of revival. It is not, I'll say this, and I really believe this, I really believe we're in the infancy of revival. I believe it's already started. I believe it is now. Okay, Not because I'm just really wanting it to be and because I've heard prophecies and I've prophesied. I just really believe that as a witness inside of myself. I really do. Um, we're in the infancy of revival. It's not an adult yet. And from Satan's, and I will say this, this is kind of a warfare message, and it's kind of a not to put you in fear, but you put all of you that are on the front lines in a position of like, okay, I need to be reminded of this, and this is why I've been here so long, and this is why I haven't quit, and this is why I will not quit in days ahead. So we're reminding you of some things tonight. But from Satan's perspective, uh, this could still be aborted. I mean, it's not so full-blown that it could not still be aborted from his perspective. Um, I do believe the blind will see, and the lame will walk, and we'll have all those notable miracles I believe they will, they will come into effect as time goes on and we continue to see what God is doing in the earth and, and we're a part of that. And, and, and there's no way for us to miss it. If anybody gets it, we'll get it. Because I know scripturally, uh, not that we've arrived, but I know scripturally we've been doing the right things. That first being to continually walk in the righteousness of the new nature and to teach those things which are foundation. You can't have a revival without that. Some people have tried to supersede that, go around it, Satan will destroy you in a heartbeat. If you've got anything in your life hidden, he'll eventually just absolutely kill you with it. But there's two incredible truths that exist simultaneously. And I don't believe they're contradictory, I believe that they're both truths. Revival is here, and revival also is being birthed. It's in a birthing stage. It's here in a certain sense, but as I said before, it is not in a, an adult stage. It's still going to require continual prayer. It's still going to conti- require continual faithfulness. Um, I'm, I'm asking you what uh, Homer had a message a few weeks ago, and you know, he, he labored in the Spirit. It's, it's been probably a month or so ago now, um, and it had a, a lot to do with faithfulness, faithfulness to God, faithfulness to each other, faithfulness... To the house of God and it just came seemed it was so amazing because I came the Holy Spirit had me come right on the heels of that and I didn't try to say okay Homer did this so I need to do this and maybe a one-two punch will really you know it'll 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 do something it was just absolutely the Spirit of God and he said later he said have you have did you hear that before I said no he said it's amazing some of the things that the Holy Spirit had you say and so the Holy Spirit is trying to say to the generals stay on the front lines and to be extremely faithful in prayer, be as much as possible faithful to the house of God. By the way, this is an advertisement, and by the way, it is not meant for condemnation, but it is meant for uh, just a continual shepherding, you know, the voice of the shepherd. We, we still pray here on Sunday nights, okay? And I know that for some of you that's a distance, um, but sow into it as much as you can and uh, hallelujah you know what i when we're when we're when a house, when the house is full on sunday nights on on the most boring service of the week we're going to have revival <laughs> hallelujah and people up around the altar or wherever and praying glory to god if you can't sit on sunday night then walk walk in the back walk up and down the pews or up not, not up down the pews but <laughs> we don't have any pews hallelujah insurgency against revival let's uh let's look at some scripture tonight turn with me to acts chapter i want to give you some scriptural examples i've been in acts somewhat today i love the book of acts so um, go to acts chapter eight and look at verse one with me this is uh saul of course before he became paul and this is, again, we just said that revival had already had already started. Revival was, at this point, I would say, in an adult stage in Jerusalem and in uh, many places around Jerusalem. But here what we see here is the enemy coming with this surge of uh, it was persecution. But really, behind the scenes, it had to be demonically inspired. And he was spearheading this by a young man ca- called Saul. And it look, look here in verse 1 of chapter 8. And Saul was consenting unto his death. His death was Stephen. If, you, if we would have been in the chapter before, his death was Stephen, one of the uh, deacons, the seven deacons that was chosen by the apostles. And you know that whole story. How that they stoned Stephen, how they called upon God and said, lay not this sin to their charge. So Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, now that's key. It says at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they all were scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except, except the apostles. And I think that's amazing. Uh, one of the, the key thing I want you to see here is that at that time. Because uh, that, if you look it up, and I looked it up a few times today, a couple times, went back and forth on two different words, but at that time meant at that season, it can mean that age or that season, that particular time, there was a, there was a push, you might want to say in the spirit, because that's we're looking behind the scenes here, in the spirit, there was a push for persecution, and the word says here that they were scattered, the the, the church was scattered abroad throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. They they managed to stay put. And I think really, as I looked at that, and as we consider that, and that could mean a, a number of different things even to you, but for me, it was, they were the anchor. They They didn't move. I'm sure they were much in hiding at times, but they stayed put where they were at. And even though that many were scurrying, many were Taking off to different places, just probably trying to evade uh, the persecution, it really played out to the betterment of the kingdom of God. It says here, and a devout and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. And Saul he made havoc of the church, entering in into every house, hauling men and women committed and committing them to prison. Therefore they were scattered abroad, went everywhere, preaching the word. Then Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. And for unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken in palsy, and they that were were lame were healed, and there was great joy in the city. Verse 8 we conclude with, in that particular portion of past, uh, passage, what I want you to see is the insurgence of, during that time, what was taking place. And uh, I want you to notice when it said, and we took notice of that at that time, there was a great push in the spirit by demonic forces to stop revival. Now, if you go right into the next uh chapter chapter one this is the famous and we're not going to read all of this or, but it's just where paul actually saul gets saved on the road to damascus he has that really strong uh, vision of christ and christ calls him in and he says what must i do lord or lord what must i do so um verse one we'll just read a little bit of it here it says and saul yet the word yet is amazing because, or is keynote here because it tells you that the persecution that was in chapter 8 is still happening in chapter 9 and Paul's still much a, a strong part of it. He was an, op, he was an observer uh, in chapter 7 and 8 and in chapter 9 he begins to take on a key role in persecuting the church. He's very um, religiously and behind the scenes demonically controlled for the persecution of the church but God uses that because the church doesn't quit they won't quit they were scattered and yet everywhere they went they kept teaching the word and Philip he he takes off he goes down to Samaria starts having miracles and preaching Christ and getting people born again but here in chapter 9 it says and Saul yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest and desired him letters to Damascus, to to the synagogue, that if he found any in this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. So we know the whole story there. We're not going to go into that story. Bright light, vision, knocked off horse, gives life to Christ, very powerful. Had to be because of... Probably, it had to be, I to say, start to say probably, but it had to be because of intercession. Broke the power of the persuasion of religion off a very sincere man, but was sincerely trying to you know, take Christians and kill, and kill Christians. So um, with that I say, look, here's the other thing. With that, don't stop interceding for people that you dislike the most. I, I, you know, uh, I said the other day, and I still think that it's true, is that there are people in Washington that are past the point because they're they're reprobate. But still, there's something in my heart, because I'm not sure which ones yet. I just keep praying for them. I just keep praying for them. Because God knows, and God knows the ones. So I'm, I'm speaking out names that... <laughs> you know lord jesus you know hallelujah it's by faith i speak these things out i pray lord okay so hallelujah only the the true agape that's in my spirit not in my soul hallelujah so paul gets saved and that settles the persecution for a a while so you see this uptick of persecution and what was it for this is what i want to get this is what he wants to get across to you tonight is going forward in revival maybe at this season and other seasons to come and years to come, there will all be, always be, as we look at history in the Bible and we watch the manual for revival in the book of Acts, I would say that is our go-to manual. Um, so we watch those things and we say there's upticks of insurgents where the Satan will come uh, with a battle plan, with um, a lot of demonic um, force behind it to try to weaken the saints and try to discourage the saints and try to bring the saints under a, I, I'm not willing to go any further. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to quit or just get neutral. You know, I'm going to go to heaven. I love God, but just get neutral. And that's always his, that's always his plan. At the end of chapter nine, it says uh, this is after Paul gets saved. But, but this is after, the, after that season. We saw that season started, but here's after that season. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea, Galilee, uh, Samaria, and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord, and the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. And I bet they were comforted. Like, who persecution, we can feel it has kind of relaxed here. You know, it's kind of uh, this... this insurgents this onslaught this continual so paul gets saved and that relieves them because he was kind of spearheading that the jews still hated christians uh there was more persecution to come as time goes on but there was relief for a season and the christians felt it they felt the peace they felt the comfort and the comfort of the holy ghost now then go with me to to uh this is just case in point it's just more proof of what he's trying to get across to us tonight of how to stand because what comes at times go to chapter 12. We see something very similar. This is time goes by time later. This is not that time. It's not that persecution, but we see this in chapter 12 verse one. This is kind of a Bible study tonight and it's good because it teaches us something. Chapter 12 verse one says this. Now, about that time, almost the same kind of verbiage, almost the same kinds of things said. Now, about that time, or it meant if that season, that word time, is again, is seasons. two different words, two different Greek words, but they both can identify an age or a season. Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And notice, as I said, that it says about that time. Uh, here we see another insurgence, as I said, of Satan. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. So it tells us here that's the brother of John, not James, uh, you know, the head of the church, um, which would have be considered um, the, the brother of Jesus, of course, you know, the stepbrother of Jesus. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to the four quadrineans of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. I like reading this story, so I'm going to read on for a little bit. Peter therefore was kept in prison. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto him, unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with with two chains and the keeper keepers before the door kept the prison. I mean, they had this guy under lockdown. And behold, the angel of the Lord came unto him, and a light shone in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, "Arise up quickly." And his chains fell off of his hands, and the angel said unto him, "Gird thyself, and bind thy sandals, bind on thy sandals." And so he did, and he saith unto him, "Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me." And he went out and he followed him, and wits not that it was true which was done by the angel, but he thought he saw a vision. And when they were past the first and the second ward, they came into the iron gate that leadeth into the city, which openeth opened to them of its own accord. And they went out, that, looked, that would have been spooky, and, uh, and passed on through one street, and forthwith, forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, now I know of surety that the Lord has sent his angel and had delivered me out of the hand of Herod from all exception uh of the people of the Jews um of the people of the people of the Jews now i i'm i'm thinking as i'm saying that because i'm i'm trying to th- i'm 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 thinking of something as i'm trying to read here you know we want uh people want um visitations by angels and uh and if that's okay you, you know you're not supposed to seek those things but we're like man book of acts was so neat angels were around they were you, angels were around because people were under major major so i don't know if the trade off <laughs> but i do i will say this i do believe in these last days because of the persecution that will come on the church there's going to be angelic activity for that very purpose and uh so we get real excited about whoa i saw an. well if you see an angel for the purpose of him helping you get out of jail (laughs) it's not so great you know (laughs) it's like wow you know i'd have just rather stayed at home and not seen the angel you know that's and when he had considered the thing he came to the house of mary the mother of john whose surname was mark where many were gathered together praying i love this part and peter knocked on the door of the gate and a damsel came to hearken named rhoda and when she knew peter's voice she opened not the gate for gladness but ran in and told how peter stood at the gate uh, stood before the gate (laughs) that just that just tickles me you know they're praying for the man there's a knock at the door Hello, who is it? It's Peter. And she's so excited. <laughs> now I really I you know when I'm I think this is I think this is where blonde jokes start right here. <laughs> it's like <laughs> she runs and says, You're not gonna believe it. Peter's at the door. Well, <laughs> did you let him in? No. <laughs> Was I supposed to? <laughs> oh my God. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. <laughs> But she confirmed, uh, she constantly confirmed that it was even so, and then said, "They it is." And then said, "They it is his angel." But Peter continued to knock, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he beckoning unto them with his hand to hold their peace, he he might have been just saying, "Shh, be quiet, be quiet." I Just escaped. <laughs> Declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison, and he said, "Go show these things unto James, and to the brethren." And he departed, and went into another place, and as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers. What was become of Peter? And when and when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judah, Judea um to Caesarea and their abode now I want to read this last part here uh verse 20 says and Herod was highly because here's okay there's that insurgence of persecution Herod you know that this is time past chapter 9 or chapter 8 so once again we see now at this season another time comes in where there's a real insurgence of persecution and Herod like he kills James and he thinks Okay, I killed James, that made me popular with the Jews, I think I'll kill Peter too. And so he's he's thinking about just going right down the, the list if he can find them. And of course, we just read how the, the Lord rescued Peter, and prayers availed much. Something happened. But then it says here, and Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon. But they came with one accord to him, having made... Blaistus, the king's chamberlain, their friend, desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. In other words, it was he, he, he supplied them. He supplied uh, their welfare. And upon a set day, Herod arrayed in royal uh, apparel set upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, This is the voice of a god, not of man. Well, of course, they're, you know. They're, they're, they're just stroking him trying to, because they, they, you know, they want from him. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory and was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. And the word of God grew and multiplied. Okay, so here again, same thing. There was a persecution. Then what relieved it was salvation of Paul. And then there's this major persecution by Herod once again. And he's killing you know, he's killed one, he's trying to kill another, and the church is really feeling this. Um, verse 25, it says, And Barnabas and Paul returned from Jerusalem, and they, that, and they had fulfilled their ministry, took with them, okay, John, who was surname Mark. So that, that, that's another direction. But the direction that we're at right now is this, that the word of God grew immediately after, um, you know, Herod is the Lord took his life. The Lord took I'm reminded of a prophecy that Kenneth Hagin had, and it was talking about the last days, and he specifically said that there was going to come a time where men in Washington would drop dead. That's amazing. That's amazing. Now, I'm not wishing that on anybody, but I'm telling you that we're in the days of the book of Acts that... the duplication and beyond is going to take place not only was there judgment in the kingdom ananias and sapphira that was inside the church then god is is actually doing some things because of the power of the church in the world so herod was not in the church he was in the world but here god uh sends an angel and said no no your days are numbered you you've you've done all you're going to do and you're out of here. And immediately, he's struck dead. And of course, um, you don't want to be in the place where Herod winds up. Um, the insurgency of war was never... Now, I'm going to make some statements here, and we'll go into to something personal uh, here in a moment. The insurgency of the war... And this is what I want to get across, and he wants to get across. The war was never about Stephen... Or James, or Peter, it was always about stopping the revival, or stopping the harvest. Now, if any of you heard uh, Brother Gary talk Sunday, which is very, very powerful, and uh, hero, hero of mine, and uh, and I say that because of those of you who don't know, um, he's speaking just a couple days past. Um, losing his son in law, Kyle. And, uh, Kyle uh, and Kyle was his son in law, and Kyle was only 39 years old, Kyle Hansen. And um, he's speaking and ministering in tears, but as a st- frontline, stalwart um, champion of the Lord. No fronts, but just adamant about an understanding that we're looking at even further tonight. Um, that in all of anything that the enemy has ever done to the frontliners, if you want to put it that way, after they started praying in revival, and revival was birth, it was always for the purpose. And I'm kind of reiterating for a moment some of the things that Gary said. It was always for the purpose of stopping the revival. It was never, ever meant, although families suffered, people suffered, persons suffered, it was never, ever meant specifically against the individual, but it was always for the purpose of stopping revival. The insurgency or the war, I'll read this again, was never about Stephen, James, or Peter. It was always about stopping the revival, stopping the harvest of the earth. This is extremely, I'm going to read this because it's best said in these paragraphs, this is extremely difficult for anyone on the front lines of revival who finds themselves as the present tense target of the war, for revival, it's difficult for them to remind themselves of this. It remind themselves of what? That it's not about you or yours. It's all about stopping re- the revival. Now I would say that Stephen's family, James's family, and possibly any pam- family. That goes through something like this and I'll be careful there's a little one but and I'm not cursing but I'm saying this that the natural reaction in the in the senses would be mine or anyone else's like hell that it's not about me personally like hell because that's how you would feel when one of yours is taken prematurely. So I listened to my dear friend Gary share with weeping last Sunday morning uh, the loss of his son-in-law, Kyle. I'm just going to take a little bit of liberty to to share some of that personally because I knew Kyle. So he died last Thursday night at the age of 39, Gary was in the pulpit on Sunday morning to preach the gospel of the kingdom. He shared this message of how God had revealed to him um, that it was not, even though through tears and a lot of hurt, it was not about Kyle, but it was a war to stop uh, revival. And I'll just back up for those of you that don't know how did Kyle pass. Very healthy, handsome, really handsome guy. 39 years old, I knew Kyle. Saw him a lot, was around him at different times. Um, uh, uh, he went into the hospital last Tuesday and uh, uh a week ago this yesterday, I guess. And uh he'd already had pneumonia for about 10 days. Walking pneumonia, very sick. At 39, you feel invincible, you know? So You don't, you know, I'll just, I'll give it another day. I'll give it another, I feel invincible at 60. You know, I'd be, you know, a runner, a weightlifter. If I got, if I got chills and fever and cough and blah, 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 I just, I can understand. I can understand. No, Candy, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. I'm fighting this. Well, it, it developed into sepsis, which was really, those of you that know anything about it, it's very, very dangerous. And I was talking to Renee, he's a registered nurse. and So. He understood. You know, it's once that gets in the blood system, it's just really, really hard to bring anybody back. They did twenty one, I think, different procedures to try to save him. They never could stop that. We were praying, people were praying around the world. Um But Gary said that not only had God shared with him that, that it was, and he had that revelation, that it was all that it was all about stopping revival, but he said really and I'll say it this way, I don't know how exactly he said it, but he said he really had another, he had a second witness on not just God speaking to him, but he knew within his own self that it was all about stopping revival because he termed it as a gut punch. And he said, as that gut punch was levied on him and against his family, that the feelings that he was experiencing, he didn't say what he was going to go with, obviously. Here's a warrior standing there preaching the gospel, but he said he knew it was a gut punch, and it was what he was feeling confirmed the truth that it was to stop the revival because he said in his emotions, he felt like this, I'm not going to pray no more. Why, you know, why keep praying? Why keep fasting? Um... He said this, he goes, while he was preaching, do I want to go out to eat with you today after church? No, I don't want to go out to eat with you. It brings in, those kind of things brings in a reclusiveness, naturally speaking, for the purpose of drawing back from life. But for this example, especially for the purpose of frontliners, being in revival. That's it. It's the gut punch for for that purpose. Um, I remember, uh, you know, I, I guess I talked to Kyle Amazing a, a couple, maybe two or three months ago. I was, uh, I'm looking at Candy because she was with me. I was sitting in the parking lot of Cracker Barrel waiting for our kids to meet us in Fort Myers, and I called Kyle because um, Kyle was a gun store owner. And uh, I'd been out there and shot with him and stuff at the, at the range and stuff. And, you know, he's, he's an expert on guns. And, and uh, so he bought and sold guns, had a really nice store and ammunition. And, of course, <laughs> if you're a gun owner, you know, in these days it's almost impossible uh to buy ammunition I that night I had been to I think Bass Pro and then I you know obviously that's a joke anymore you can't you can't see, there's no there's no uh ammunition and I went online I knew to go online but I was just like all these websites were saying uh you can put in check back with us check back with us check back with us so um so there's no ammunition that that's kind of scary too it tells you something um so but this morning the lord reminded me of some pictures and actually i thought about them last night but then i thought i got some pictures of kyle and i I got to share these with gary and videos when i was out in 2018 uh kyle and i and uh nathan we went um and shared you know a, a good portion of the morning the day and we went out to an exclusive gun range where you have to really be you know, Kyle got in there somehow. He he was part of it, and uh, so it's beautiful out there in the hills, kind of north of uh, Tulsa. And um, we shot, we shot, and so some of you said, "Well, I you know I'm not interested in that." Well, I was. I enjoyed it. AR-15s, pistols of every sort, and then uh, then he brings out the 50 caliber, and that's a man's gun. I mean, you know, I some people say, "Well, I don't care," you know um guns like deer rifles okay I'll just tell you guns like deer rifles like 270s 30 6s they're babies they're just teeny teeny tiny you know you got a you got a slug or something like this it's like you can like my god you want me to shoot this and so uh, we were shooting that and uh it's like he, he was he was coaching me on that and I was you know he got me in this prone position and we're just having having a good time and I was sending that um some of those pictures and some of those videos and he was he was down on the you know okay do this do this and i was shooting that thing in the whoosh, you got to see it it was really impressive you know i mean you know when something knocks your shoulder completely off you know you feel like oh, i'm a man hallelujah <laughs> it's uh, those, those 50 calibers or something else so um but gary said I, I can't believe you know that that he's i still can't believe he's gone but he sent me this i'm going to read this because it has an important part of not just the personal part of their life, but the personal part of our lives as we share life together as part of the church. And um, the essence of knowing how we are to view and see these kinds of insurgents, how the enemy will come to try to stop revival, how we stand and how we believe and how we proceed further uh, Gary said somebody, sent, uh, somebody wrote this. He didn't write it himself, but I thought it was really good, and he thought it was good. It was an obituary for Kyle. and uh, So I'll just read it. I'll just read it. It's really, really good. It says, Kyle Matthew Hansen was born in Olympia, Washington on May the 27th, 1981. He left us too soon on February the 4th, 2021 at the age of 39. He dedicated his life to the Lord at the age of 16. At 18, he felt the Lord to lead, uh, led him to move to Tulsa to attend Rhema Bible College. He packed up his uh, grandpa's truck and drove 2,200 miles. The last thing his mother tearfully said to him before he drove away is, quote, don't fall in love with a Tulsa girl. A year and a half later on Christmas Day, Kyle announced that he had met a preacher's daughter, and, of course, that's, that was Aaron, Gary's daughter, Gary and Sue's. And six months later, they were married. Kyle is survived by his wife Aaron, son Cole, daughter Lily, and by many family and friends in Oklahoma, Washington State, and around the world. He enjoyed hunting with Cole, Lily, and his brother Tommy, taking long rides on his Harley, um, The Seattle Seahawks riding side-by-sides at Little Sierra, uh, especially at night, Uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, Red Dirt Music, Prime Rib, his mother's famous uh, peanut butter balls, which he always had to fight his children for when they came in the mail, uh, and his truck. I love my truck, too. Kyle enjoyed life, both, uh, but most of all, he enjoyed spending time with his friends and family. Those who knew Kyle knew his love for God and guns. He discovered his passion uh, for guns by attending weekly gun shows, and from there he built a successful business. A few years after his first gun show, Advanced Combat, was born. That's his shop name through his business he met customers that became lifelong friends that would consider that he would consider family Kyle had a rare character trait he was best friends to everyone he was the common bond and these are this is all true i mean this is this is this is true cuz i knew Kyle he was the common bond between a lot of great friendships between people who probably would have never met if it wasn't for Kyle, he took great joy in seeing other people succeed, making people laugh and lying uh, and, and living life to the fullest. He made every challenge an opportunity and lived a good life. We sure we are sure going to miss his smile. And like I said, I spoke to him just a just a few months ago. Um, what I want to say here is this um, I know that the, the, the persecution, the direct persecution uh, examples that I gave us prior to is, is different. It's a different category than the promises that are made concerning our per- personal health. But I, I want to say this in context to this. But if the effects are the same, what's the difference? Do you understand? Persecution then was a viable And it just—it was meant to gut punch. Um, We do have promises. We understand that. And we are to fight like crazy in every insurgence. But um, if the effects of persecution or Satan coming to stop revival, and he is able to somehow successfully take out someone that we love or something personal um the effects are still the same or can be the same do you understand what i'm saying there's still no difference um and i will say this i haven't heard anyone so immature and i'll use that word to try and give reasons why this happened the reason why it's is is that it's war and war is hell um it's amazing. Gary used some, and he says, "I don't teach from it, and I don't teach from it." I know a little bit about it, but he was he was sharing some of his heart from Job, and uh, I just happened to be in Job. That's part of my reading. When he got to that, I was like, "Wow, I'm in Job!" So I knew a lot of what he was. So Job had comforters, and none of them none of them were right. Sometimes people, when something like this happens. They're afraid, and because of their insecurity, they try to figure out something. Like, well, maybe it was this, maybe it was that. The best thing to do is, really, maturity is to hush and know primarily it's just absolute war. It's war. Never try, never try to be Job's comforters. I'll just say something about Job. 99% of the people that ever would ever try to tell me anything about Job probably don't know what they're talking about. But Job, all, the, all the men speaking to Job and Job himself were saying a lot of stupid stuff about God. Job's, all of what Job's saying is not a confirmation of truth. It's a venting some, by somebody going through an, a horrendous trial there's just certain parts of that which you have to break down that you can even define as this is a truth about God. I do know that. I've studied Job enough to know that. If, if you think Job or any of the, f- the four people that talked to him uh, were speaking for God, um, then I really don't need to talk to you. <laughs> okay. Can we believe that we can stop these things in the future? Absolutely. And, and Gary said the same thing i don't think you can stop persecution but you can pray people out of jail and those kinds of things but can we believe that we can stop these kinds uh absolutely but i will say this but when they do happen we are to acknowledge it is a casualty of war and that we're fighting that we're fighting um and we cannot stop that's what it's all about getting you to stop getting you to stop um we cannot be distracted in the inadequacies. So some people get distracted by that, in the inadequacies of what we've not been able to stop because if you get distracted by that, that's part of the war too. That's part of it too. Getting our eyes on our failures, um, it, must, it, it must turn, what these things must do is turn into a solemn resolve to fight harder than ever before. Some people get real scared because they don't go into intimacy. See, intimacy will relieve fear. And then they start trying to figure out all kinds of things. And then, well, Pastor, I got it. no, you don't, I I don't even need to talk to you. (laughs) You don't have an idea. Okay. I will say this. Let me read this. The same night. The same night in which the Lord spoke back in October, the promise of revival and saying it's too late. You remember that? That's an encouraging word. It's too late. It's far too late to stop revival. He also said on that same night there was a secondary prophecy. Okay. And uh, the secondary prophecy was the war of revival. Okay. I'm just going to read a couple of paragraphs. I'm not going to read the whole thing but I just want to read just a little bit, okay? Because there is a war of or a war for revival, okay? For these things I say unto my church, for those who press in and those who understand their enduring process and who understand those things that are coming upon the face of the earth. For even as I promised my revival, Also understand this, that there is a great war set in front of the church in the days ahead, says the Spirit of Grace. This war will be fought with great victory in the face of miracles and things that have not been seen since the first church. Glory to God, I like that, says the Spirit of the Lord. No man will lead this, but it will be led by a marching army. But also I warn you in the spirit that as this war is fought and will be won on many fronts, as I have said this night that it has been released, it has been declared, and it has been granted for this time and this season that revival is among you. Also understand that your enemy, though limited in knowledge, understands that something is coming. Why do you think he comes at times? It's like he, he just tries to do anything he possibly can. And the revival that will, be, will produce the harvest, second paragraph and the one I will conclude on this one, though quite a little bit long here, the revival that will produce the harvest will also change the nation, says the Spirit of, of Grace. Even now, as my angel army is being set in effect for this outpouring, outpour, know that the hordes of hell... And the principalities and the powers and the rulers of darkness and every other spiritual kind of wickedness, as in demonic powers, are also receiving instructions. So we took, you know, I kind of took this as really a national kind of, I don't, this is to the church. This is to us. This is frontliners. This is where we're at. This is revival. This is, uh, uh, uh instruction against insurgencies against the enemy coming to to so what's your gut punch you know and we god hasn't intended god never intended that to happen to kyle or any of us but i can tell you you know if you're and maybe it's not something nearly as serious as that but if you're if you've let anything in recent days or will in the next whenever stop you You know, sometimes you'll talk to Christians and it's like, oh man, I'm really, you know, okay, you can be going through something, but if you let it begin to dictate your emotions where you back off a prayer, it it did its work. the The punch, the gut punch got you. If it has neutralized you to where you still won't, Do what you were doing and and going forward in prayer, going forward in confession, going forward in church attendance, going forth in this. You've been knocked down and you're not really getting up real good. That's what it's meant for. You're not going to go to hell. It's meant to neutralize you. So we see these things and the Holy Spirit was saying these things to us. He's, uh, know that the hordes and the principalities, okay, we read that part, because they understand that something is coming. They've seen, they've seen the signs of my power in the earth and times gone by and how that I would solicit from my people the prayers necessary for the authority of my spirit to move. They understand when my spirit is about to do something. Although they cannot stop it, they will do everything possible in this nation in the next few months. And this is where we kind of thought, maybe, well, it's... The, the election was a byproduct, okay? To bring chaos like you've never seen before in places. And he goes on to say, not in all places. So I won't go into the rest of that prophecy. But we have to understand what we're fighting against. The war of revival. Um, don't, get, don't ever get reclusive. Go in and, and stop spending your, your time. Let me let us look in the word a little bit a little bit further. We've got to get a little bit more time here. Go to uh what's the remedy? Well, I can tell you the remedy from scripture. I don't have my own personal opinion. Here's the remedy from scripture. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5. And and here's the amazing part. For all these things, he gives us the remedy before he tells us you know, the problem or the insurgency or the, the attack that is an uptick against the church at times or against your personal life. Let's look at verse 5. It says this, likewise, because he's introducing this, likewise ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yes, and all, or yea, and all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with what? be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, this is inside the church, and giveth grace to the humble. So he's, he's really introducing a, something, talking about you going through, or the church going through, or the enemy, for, for reasons of tonight, trying to stop revival. He's telling us that the first thing to really be able to get through something, or eventually even to be able to stop something, see, because as days go on, my my vow and myself is this is this is my I can I will continue to go on not in depression of like uh, but mine is I go on for the Kyles, the Cali pearls the different ones that I know was never that were casualties of war that we weren't be able we weren't able to stop at the time but I'm believing that there comes a time we stop these things, and we stop them way before they get too far in advanced. Persecutions will always be a part of the church. Deliverance in the midst of persecution will come at times. Uh, so there's a lot of things we can stop, should stop, and will stop. But he tells us here in verse 6, humble yourselves. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due times. In, in due time. Of course, in context, this is not talking about any kind of self-exaltation, God making you rich, God making you prosperous, you having success in life. Contextually, he's talking about him exalting you out of a trial, out of a place of when the enemy comes with heinous things to destroy your life. Contextually, he's talking about God being able to promote you out of that or keep you in the midst of it, protected and not be destroyed, casting all of your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now I'll say during times of insurgence, all the time, all the time, we should live circumspectly. We should live circumspectly. We should keep straightforward, straight forward, going forward. But the remedy and the absolutes, uh, one thing is that you keep on your vitamin shelf against times where you see Satan having an uptick of moving in on the church. One, you humble yourself real strong. I mean, that's, that's something you want to live by. What does that mean? You ain't got an opinion in the world. All that you ever live by is thus saith the Lord. And you humble yourself and say, God, I don't, I don't know nothing. I don't know nothing. Whatever I thought I ever did know, it's only through you. And the promises that I stand on is by and for you. And, and I only stand because I continue to have a fellowship with you. But out of that is a great boldness. Secondly, you stay, he says, uh, be sober. Be sober. The humility. sobriety. In other words, it's, it's, it ain't, let me, use some, let me use some, it ain't a time to think unsoberly. In other words, it's not, a, when, when you see those things coming against the church, especially if you're on the front line, you, you bring your mind under subjection to the Word of God. Any argument that comes against you, any fear that comes against you, any argument against your brother or your sister. Dave used to say when the enemy comes in in times like this, he said the the number one thing is forgive everybody. Forgive the cat. Don't have a word against anybody. Because if the enemy can judge you in any way, in other words, if he's got any kind of inroad, it usually comes in through that loophole of you carrying some kind of grievance. So you get that, you get that, you get, even if, even if you don't think, you take communion, even if it's against, you, you, you can't listen, on upticks of, of evil, on insurgents of evil, you can't even afford to not, or, or to hate people in Washington. We think sometimes offenses is just people I know in the church. You despise somebody that's in government. There's only one whale. You, you really are, that well's either pure or it's not. It's either got some taint in it. If it's got some salt water in it, it's because... You, you can't love me or love somebody else or love your granddaughter or love your... Or love your you can't just cry and weep and woo, go into God and go into intercession and, 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 and pray over somebody and then turn right around and just be downright ugly mean, the well gets tainted. That's what James is talking about. So he says here, humble, be sober, and be vigilant. Vigilance, like, don't stop doing what you're doing. Uh, if I see the enemy moving, like if I see... Uh, Movement in the enemy camp to start kind of going after people. And Gary said, he, w- he's, he named a bunch of them. He said, man, there has been so many people, bam, 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 that he knows that have died in the recent couple months. Funerals, several. And, uh, and he said, what is that all about? Well, the Lord said it's all to get the church to back up. It's an insurgence. It's, a, it's, it's what I'm describing tonight. We saw a couple examples in persecution in the church, but like I said, this is a little different. We haven't gone to full-blown persecution, but if the effects are the same, the dip, there's no difference. He still, a, he's still a, a, achieved his, his objectives. But vigilance is another thing. Be sober. <laughs> Get the drunkenness out of your head. Well, I don't think they like me. I don't know. I don't. See. Well, take... Bend towards being, have the fault of one day being surprised that you were wrong, that they really didn't like you, but you convinced yourself continually that all of the imaginations were just the devil. Have that bent. Have that bent. Well, that's just foolishness. No, it's a bent towards agape. If you're going to err, err on the side of agape. So be vigilant. Say in prayer because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking who may devour well he's, he's going to devour who the one who is not filled with humility vigilant sober and doesn't know how to cast their care upon the lord whom resists steadfast in faith in the faith knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish strength, and settle you to him, be glory, dominion forever and ever. We're not going to teach on this tonight. We've taught on it before, but that last three verses sounds like, well, after you've suffered a while, God just throws you out there as dead meat. He just wants to see you just kind of be beat up, suffer a while, and he goes, come along later and comes, oh, you know what? I think you have suffered enough. I'm going to rescue That's not the God I serve. It's all contextually with you doing the humbling, the vigilance, the soberness. In other words, he wants to exalt you out of what has come to stop you as an immediate, as, as, as quickly as he possibly can. It's through your authority that he's going to be able to do this. So your ability to get in line and stay in line causes this thing to come into effect. The endurance, however long this thing lasts sometimes, has a, mostly to do with how long it takes us to bring our flesh under subjection to the real humility that it takes to be exalted. And this exaltation, again, is exalted out of the trial. God bring you into place of peace, and peace will come even before the actual mechanics of the natural come into effect. Peace will come before the actual healing. You'll get a peace and you'll go, oh, it's done. It's done. I had a, something that was in my body when I was a young man. And uh, I don't know if it was my, because of my work or what. Man, I'd, I'd get up in the middle of the night, go to the bathroom. I'd, I just, it was, it was terrible. And I went through it for months. And I kept standing on the Lord, in the Lord. And one night I got up, go to the restroom, and a peace come over me. It, was, I, it felt like an angel was in the room. It just, I was standing there, and uh, I just, the peace come over me. And God, because I'd been fighting it, speaking the word, and he said, it's done. It's done. And the peace came first. And, then, all of, and then, uh, then I discovered weeks, months later, my God, that thing left my body. I didn't even remember. When, I didn't know, when did it happen? I don't know when it happened. He told me it was going to happen. I'd, I forgot about it. The peace just drowned it out. I like it. I like getting healed. I like not being able to get healed because I'm so healthy. That, okay, that's the best part. Now, listen to this uh, revival has begun. It has begun. Um, check with the Lord if you don't believe me. I believe He'll convince you. Uh, if you're still, I will say this if you're still in the group that's still sulking, In discouragement concerning the recent election the solution train has gone it left the station the solution train is revival it never was about the election i had a preference a big preference i hope it happened i hope that preference happens again it was too the wickedness and the deep state was was and is still too big for an election to fix way too big but god's working some things and the and if you're still sucking your thumb and moaning and crying and belly aching about oh god oh god i don't understand this well i don't understand all of it either but if you're belly aching around that station that train's gone the solution train's gone it's called revival maybe somebody can put you on a plane go catch it and drop you off at the next station but that, that train's gone. God's doing something else. See, you, can't, you can't go back to that. You can't suck your thumb and stay in that place. Revivalists realize when God's doing something different than what they thought. and they, Wait a minute. The problem was bigger than I thought. And so now the solution's got to be bigger than what I thought. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Now let me give you a testimony. And you'll enjoy this because I really want to. I don't want to leave you with feeling any kind of apprehension. I want you to know that God, revival is is at work. Hallelujah! Uh, if you get a chance, I would say watch flashpoints flashpoint on the Victory Channel from last night, Tuesday night. Unbelievably great. It was wonderful. And go into the extended part of it. And I really got an appreciation even more. I never was against any of those guys that were called prophets but they were on there and they were so humble and they were very 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 balanced in what they said and mario morello was on there and uh different ones and uh, uh rabbi jonathan kahn was on there that was so good it was so good it's so in- encouraging but um mario Morella is the evangelist and he is seeing incredible salvations take place in he says revival he said please uh, Understand this, revival has taken its is, is own. In California, the most liberal state in the United States, he, he went through all of his, uh, very humble man, you know, he just don't even want to talk but a couple minutes and say, you know, there's other people who needs need to talk besides me. But he was going into all the different cities that he's went into in the last few months in the COVID restrictions where they say, no, you can't do that. And he said, I, he, he, we did do it, and they didn't shut us down. And he said, I, we went in there and he said, I, the peop- you know, there wasn't, he didn't put no restrictions on six foot apart. He said, let the, let the, the, the tent be filled. Hundreds and hundreds and even thousands of born again experiences in the midst of California. And healings and miracles taking place. And he said, look, folks, I'm telling you pastors he was speaking to don't miss this opportunity revival has started and he said the power of the holy spirit is falling for the purpose of the harvest and he said please give altar calls in this day and hour, like you never, and I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit spoke to me today. I said, God, I commit myself to giving more altar calls in the future. I don't care if everybody in here is saved, somebody out there might need to get saved because we're going to see a great harvest. You're going you're to hear me giving, you know, altar calls for, for born again like never before. Like never before, like never before will I be giving altar calls in the days ahead. So, uh, but the Lord, it has started. Now, let, me, let me give you a, a personal uh testimony it's something that happened over the last couple of days and we'll end with this we may go into a prophecy but i think it'll be later because i don't want to rush through that but uh some of you are praying for me and with me but my son-in-law mike siegel of course is jewish mike is born again spirit-filled and has been for years and he loves jesus he really does and uh his dad we got a call candy you know, I was about to do something, and I was in the garage, and, or something, you know, I was around the house there, and she, it was in the afternoon on Monday, and she said, uh, she just got a call from Amber, our daughter, and said, so Marty Siegel, his dad, which is only in his mid-70s, he had been recently uh, put in a rehab facility. Um, There was some cognizant issues and there was some rehabilitation things that needed to be done but I really, you know, that's neither here or there, that's personal but I, I don't know that he ever really needed to go in there but if you go into those places especially certain places that they don't take care of you, you will go down rapidly, rapidly so he had had a fall and the fall caused a hematobin on, is that it? on the brain and I think it was on a I can't remember right left but it was bleeding still uh unless a miracle but at this point we're really not fighting for his physical we won a spiritual incredible spiritual battle um he had pre uh his x rays showed he had like pre pneumonia His lungs were starting to fill up or look like you know they were um sepsis which is you know the beginning stages of sepsis they gave him 48 hours so, Mike knows, and I've talked to this man before. He's been at our house many, many times. Marty, you know, he's likable. He's uh, Jewish, uh, very intellectual. And he would just, you know, one time before, years ago, he went into, you know, he was recovering from a hospital stay, he went into rehab. But I went in there and I was like, I got to give him my shot. And I got to give him my best shot. And I just really was real. You know, just me and him, and I just really shared Christ. And Marty, you got to see Christ, there's no other way. And, uh, but in his intellectual capacity, he would always just, you know, real, real stubborn. I'll just say this, real stubborn. And uh, he scurred the whole thing and, not nah, just not ready, not ready. And so I, but I knew I'd given my best. So, and he's actually been here in our services several times. He's heard me preach the gospel. I don't think he really, I think he was either atheist or at best agnostic, uh, more, more atheistic. Um, So here he is basically Monday on his deathbed. And uh, Mike, uh, Amber called. Mike um, has asked, because I told him, I called them a, a few weeks ago and I said, look, I'm willing at any time to go and talk to your dad again in this rehab facility. Well, you know, there's COVID, all kinds of, Protocols. Listen, folks, I, I'm not against the healthcare people. We've got, you know, we've got healthcare people in, in here that we love dearly and we so respect. But COVID is one of the most demonic things that ever hit our planet. It, it's just, it's just so demonic, and it is. And 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 some of the protocols, not all, but some of the protocols, are just so fear-based that it just comes right out of a mentality that the antichrist is you know propagating so the story on monday was i i said okay mike mike my son-in-law said will you meet me in labelle at the uh, sheriff's department park your truck there and we'll ride over to lake placid where his dad's at i said sure so i you know change real quick get ready i head out get over to labelle he's there and uh jump in the truck with him because he wants his dad saved before he dies and because mike knows there's no hope without christ but we understood that he basically was we thought incoherent uh bleeding on the brain um really within a close proximity of of dying So we didn't know what to expect other than we were going to go and believe God for a miracle. I contacted several of you, some of you, and uh, had Tim and Gary and Jim and and some of their bunch praying for his salvation. Got over there, um, and we went up. You know, I've got my clergy badge and, you know, just trying to show some officialness so that people, so their deal was, so I got, we get there to the ICU, and the, the the receptionist there is like, or we got to the front office, we, and so he's in ICU, and the, and the, the, the lady says, uh, you know, can I help you? I'm, Mike says, I'm his son. My dad is Marty Siegel. Can I get back and see him? Um, and this is my pastor, and, um, of course, I've got my clergy on. And so she said, I don't know. You know it's only one, one per day and no switchouts, and he's already had one and there's I just don't think you're going to be able to get back there but she goes I'll call the and so about that time somebody with authority I think a, a, another head nurse comes by and she goes what is it and she goes and so we're trying to tell her and she goes nope no way possible you're you're not going to you know you're not going to get back there uh it's just one a day and that one has already you know you can try tomorrow and uh mart and uh, you know uh mike's like he's clergy can he just you know here's here's where you know, here's the thing. Years ago, when people are dying, they'd let a clergy go back no matter what, even in a pandemic, I believe, you know, unless I had some, you know, unless I've got a fever or something like that. So the next morning, but I'm praying and I believe that's not it. We're going to get a chance. He's still going to, he's going to live through the night. So anyway, I get over, meet him again, 830 at the sheriff's department at LaBelle Park my truck, get in the truck with him, we we slide off, because the visitation really started at 9 30, we're, I'll say this, because she's not, she'll never watch, we love Judy, but Judy would have not let us in there, she'd have probably tried to take our spot, maybe, she's, you know, she's got some, she's, God's gonna deal with her life, and God's gonna get her saved as well, so we're trying to beat Judy, although so she said that we could have her spot, but we d- we didn't believe that necessarily. So we're trying to get over there early. So we get there and we go in and we go to a, to the the main part now, and we go in and so the receptionist is there. So I knew from the beginning. So the people, you, you guys were praying, people were praying. I knew from the beginning um, that something was different. Something was different because the ladies like okay so we go in you know you you take your temperature boom boom we're we're good um and then uh so ids we show ids i've got my you know clergy badge and she calls back and she goes okay okay yep all right just okay this just this time so it goes she says okay both of you can go back just this time okay this time both of you can go back uh since he's clergy he can go back with you i said you know it's like Thank you so much. (laughs) Appreciate it. (laughs) God's in control. So we go back there. We're masked up. You know, of course you go in. And uh, so we go in and uh, immediately, you know, we're back in the ICU. Doctors are working. We're, you know, trying to respect them. And they're on their computers and doing whatever. And uh, so we're trying to locate Marty. Well, uh, we see him over there. And the nurse said, you know, yeah, he's there. So we, we head over there. And immediately we're greeted by his nurse and her assistant and, uh, so she starts, she's real nice Asian lady, and she starts talking to uh, Mike. He identifies himself as his son, and um, so I can see Marty in there, and he's, he's out of it. You know, his eyes are closed or whatever. So she's talking to him, and we step in with the, the four of us, the nurse, the assistant, and Mike and I, into his room, and uh, so we're she's filling mike in on all of the you know and he's telling her what he knows about him because she's trying to figure out whatever and uh she's he's giving her some of the history of where he was at at another facility that you know what happened to him there and he's asking her about the bleeding on the brain and this that and the other so that's about five ten minutes and they step out i guess to give us privacy and uh so mike starts talking to his dad well trying to talk to him and try to wake him up because and he wakes up and he wakes up alert because i know if we're going to get him saved or born again he's got to come to some kind of level of cognizancy to recognize what's going on so he wakes up and he's looking at us and he starts moving around his head and he's actually trying to speak a little bit i was like praise god you know that and so mike just talks to him for, for just a minute and so then he lets me start in a you know i'm not i'm not a bull in a china closet but at the same time i know i've only got a window of opportunity here and we got to get marty born again so i said marty it's Bronk. you know i pulled my mask down a little bit i didn't want the nurses to so you see (laughs) so i go it's Bronk. (laughs) so marty uh you know i've talked to you about this before but marty you need jesus marty you need jesus and i talked to him for a few minutes i said can i pray for you and i said marty look you don't have to say but you do all you have to do is if i pray and i'm going to pray and whatever i pray if you say yes to it if you in your heart say yes to it jesus will you'll be born again And I said, I'm going to pray. And so I talked to him for a minute. I t- told him what he needed to do and th- that I was going to pray. And then I said, okay, I'm going to pray for you. Can I pray for you, Marty? So he's looking at me. And I I did pray. So I prayed the sinner's prayer. Okay. But there's nothing that in me thinks, okay, that we really, you know, hit pay dirt or something really happened. So the nurse comes back in and she talks. She's got more information. She's got to do some more. And they swab his mouth and they try to, you know, give him some moisture on his lips and so he goes back in he's now he's like out of it again so we're waiting for them to do their stuff and then they leave and so i tell mike i said mike talk to your dad share your heart tell him what you want tell him what you're looking for for him to do and to believe christ so mike you know i'm sitting there and uh he sits down and he's got these notes that he's put on his phone. And so he starts talking to his dad and sharing his heart. No, he's, he's just, Mike's a, he's a big baby. He, he, he'll cry in a heartbeat. He's just crying like crazy, and he's talking about, Dad, I just want to let you know how much I love you and how I want to thank you for raising me and being a dad to me and you know, teaching me right and wrong and raising me up. And, and then he goes into different things because Amber, the girl's, Uh, of course silas too young but the girls had all sent him a message and there was like you know ambers was like dad we love you we'll see you in heaven or you know whatever but it was was kind of a goodbye message so but he wakes up and he's looking again he's he's real and and so he's just looking right at mike and he's kind of even kind of moving his lips and he's trying to and then he's moving his hands and he's looking and some he's telling dad now mike's standing up and he said dad i want you to be born again you have to receive christ i want you to be in heaven with me i want you you and i to share eternity together and uh so he's looking at him he's really considering this you know he you can tell he's really thinking about this well he's dad I, I want you to receive christ i want you to receive christ well uh then 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 it kind of switches back to me and i get another opportunity now i'm really gonna so i go into i marty listen and he's looking right at me marty you you have to receive christ i said marty i don't think you've ever really believed in god i don't i don't think you've really even believed in god but you have to receive christ to go to heaven you have to receive him there's no way to get to heaven Except through Christ, Jesus said, "I'm the way, and I'm the truth, and I'm the way to the I'm the way to God. I'm the way to." So Marty, please, just say yes. Somebody said, "Well, uh, don't they have to confess?" Listen, the Bible says in Romans ten ten that with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto that salvation. In other words, what, now I believe that you should do both if you can, but I've given the example before. <laughs> Somebody said, well, no, you've got you to gotta say the words. No, listen. You, well, then what if a witch doctor in a village cut out everybody's tongue and then a missionary comes through and finds out nobody can speak in this village? Well, he goes on to the next village like, you're all mute. You can't confess the sinner's prayer, so you're all destined to hell. How stupid is that? That's stupid on top of stupid. It's, It it happens in the heart. And then as out of the heart, you confess unto that which has happened. You speak that which is truth. And the amazing part, and I'll just add this, and we're getting close here, but I want to finish this. This is the simplicity. Now, I've got to tell you this, and I, I looked into this years ago through the Holy Spirit. This is the simplicity of salvation. We call it the greatest miracle of all, and that is absolutely right. It's the greatest miracle of all, but it's the simplest miracle of all. The natural mind might say this, well, if it's the greatest miracle of all, why can't we then get the same results in miracles of healing and those kinds of things? The reason being is that God, in his genius, made salvation irrespective of natural things. In other words, he put it in an unseen realm, in a faith realm, where you couldn't see what was taking place, you just simply believed, and it had nothing to do with your physical body, your outside senses, or anything else. If there was something attached to salvation, like uh, a toe has to grow out for you to really be born again, or you, your eyesight has to get better for you to be born again, or something physical, it would, it would stop everybody. Because the natural, the firewall to miracles today is primarily is primarily the soul I teach I taught i teach I taught a message back last year I think it was I looked it up today it's lesson eighty one it's called the spiritual soul it answered a lot of questions for people people text me and wrote me and said incredible message it answered a lot of stuff for me but it's the truth that the firewall of the of miracles is the the natural soul there's a spiritual soul but what I'm saying is this is we we the the miracle of salvation is this god hid it away from all natural things and it didn't take anything that you could see in the natural or sense in the natural you just had to simply believe so i'm marty marty you just have to to receive christ please just say yes to what i've told you and say yes to my prayer that with your yes on the inside on the inside of your heart saying yes You're receiving christ you're receiving i told him you need forgiveness you need forgiveness of your sins saying yes will be that forgiveness mike said dad please he's crying he's crying dad please will you will you say yes well about that time he squeezes mike's hand so mike starts really crying but he's like oh god what's he's like but i said mike now we want to make sure is that enough for you is that so mike says dad He pulls his hand out from his. He separates. He said, Dad, I'm going to put my hand back in yours. And, Dad, if you're saying yes, if you're saying yes to Jesus, if you're saying yes to this, please squeeze my hand. He puts his hand back in there. Mike burst into tears because the man gives him a a hard squeeze, a strong squeeze beyond anything that he had experienced at at that time. Letting him know that he had received the words of life, you know how I am, or I know how I am I, i'm you know I'm weeping at the time i'm I'm looking at this thing and saying, Praise God for the miracle, but I always then always need for him to come and talk to me because I have that kind of relationship. I knew the moment signified everything of truth concerning. The validation of him being born again but then when i'm alone away from mike and i'm traveling home from labelle so he knows he knows i've been waiting to talk to him so i begin to open up but i don't open up hardly any time before he overtakes the conversation he just immediately overtakes the conversation because i'm going to ask him uh, because i didn't have a witness for or against i just watched the moment and i was rejoicing in the moment i said lord and i didn't hardly get lord out because he knows what I'm about to ask him. And he said, what you saw today was a true miracle. He said, you saw the beginning, or you saw the signs and wonders of this revival. Why would you ask for me to do something like this and I wouldn't come and do it? And I realized we are in the beginning of signs and wonders and miracles like we've never seen before when a 75 year old jewish man that's an atheist receives god on his deathbed he may go in the next couple days that's, that's fine that'll be fine with mike because mike walked out of there he said before i walked in here today i felt like i was going to vomit i was going to throw up before i came in here i didn't sleep a wink last night because he loves his dad he said when he was walking out of there he said i felt like i've run a marathon today Oh, he was a relieved man but I'm telling you, this is revival, and revival is now. Hallelujah. Praise God. There's a great harvest coming, folks. Let's all stand. I took you five past. I'll let you five past. I'll let you go five early on Sunday. You believe that? <laughs> I've got some <laughs> oceanfront property in Arizona. You know, I'll sell you that. Hallelujah. Bless him, Lord. Bless him, Lord. Thank you for Marty's salvation. Thank you for teaching us, Lord, and showing us that salvation is today. Revival is now. Lord, we thank you for a great, great insurgence in Jesus' name of your glory. Hallelujah. Let me, let me say something just before you walk out, and this will be to anybody here, because I, 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 I'm just reminded of it. Um. Because some of you are really, really givers here, and, and or all of you are, and uh, some of you givers out there that really, really help support. Um, concerning Kyle, they haven't asked anything, but Kyle was the was the not only owner of that that uh, business, but he was the only one that had gun license. So they've got to get somebody else. So they their business is kind of shut down. They can sell parts, I think, uh, from what I understand, but they can't sell any guns until somebody gets licensed, and that could take a few months. Now, whether there's insurance or not, I do know this. I did get this, that their weekly kind of income is going to be severely diminished for a while, okay? So I know know the Lord's already spoke to me as the pastor to send something from the church, but if any of you wanted to add to that something uh just let us know tell us you know if you have it tonight that's fine if not in the next few days um so that i can just add that to whatever the church is going to send and anybody wants to send anything in here um i think there was an address i could have told you of of actually errands that you could send but um if you just if you give it on paypal and send me a text or some of you have my number you can text me or email me and say that's for the uh hanson family that'll be fine if god speaks to you that's fine if he doesn't that's fine but i know you know i know some of you'd say man you should have told me i'd give something so hallelujah amen so if the lord speaks to you god bless